I'm going to read. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read a list of names to you, and I want you to think for a minute about whether or not you recognize any of these names. All right, just everyone listen. I'm going to read these names: Shamwa, son of Zachar; Shaphat, son of Ori; Egal. Son of Joseph, Palti, son of Raphu, Gadil, son of Sodi, Gadai, son of Susi, Amil, son of Gamali, Sether, son of Michael, Nabi, son of Vafshi, that's a difficult one, and Guel, son of Maki. Think about those names I just read to you, as I'm sure you already have them in your head, completely memorized. Think about those names for a minute, and think about, do you recognize any of them? Just by show of hands, does anybody, honestly, does anybody recognize any of those names? Anybody? All right, we have one, two, all right? You recognize them? You might recognize one or two names. These names, the, that's two people out of however many are in the building today. These names are the names of the ten spies who went into the land who brought back a bad report. These are the names of the ten spies who were unbelieving. They didn't believe in what God had promised. They didn't believe that God was bigger than the giants that they saw in the land. They didn't believe that God was somehow able to take care of the trouble that they saw with their own eyes. These are the ten names that only two people here today apparently knew these are those who brought back a good report. Why? Why don't we know them? Because we don't talk about unbelief. We don't want to discuss it. We don't want to dwell on it. And in fact, the Bible does not exalt them. In fact, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to spend a little time today in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. But let me read two other names while you're headed to Numbers 13 and 14. And after you get there, I just by show of hands would like to know if you have ever heard of these two names before. Caleb, son of Jephunneh, Joshua, son of Nun. How many of you ever heard of them? Ah, that's what I thought. We hear about them and we know about them because they were men who believed in what God was able to do. Brothers and sisters, today the unknowns are the ones who are hooked up with unbelief. And today I want to talk to you about the difference between unbelief and faith. And if mothers, you came expecting today a Mother's Day message, I apologize but this is for moms, dads, 
anybody else who's not a parent, anybody. This is for everybody today. Today we have to understand, and I realize the difference between unbelief and faith sounds very obvious, and yet as obvious as it is, I wonder why it is sometimes that we spend more of our time dealing with unbelief than we do dealing with faith. Why do we spend the vast majority of our time trusting in what man's report is rather than trusting in what God's report is. You see, when these two ten men came back, all twelve came back, from spying out the land of Canaan, the ten gave the bad report, and guess what? The rest of the crowd, the Israelite crowd, went with the ten. Isn't that the way it is today? You know, that's the majority rules, right? In our country, we elect a president based on the majority. We, we have elections based on the majority. Rom won the, the mayoral election because the majority voted for him. We figure how can everybody be wrong? And yet in this case, we had 10 against 2. And guess what, folks? The 2 were right. The two had it going on. The two knew exactly what God was able to do. They saw past the giants. They saw past those who seemed bigger than they were. They saw past the impossibilities. And they saw a God who was powerful enough to come into the middle of that impossibility and begin to change things and begin to work things on His behalf and change it so that God would get all of the glory. The Bible lets us know that Caleb and Joshua had the good report. But today I want to focus on some of the things that happen in unbelief. We can sit around and we can think about, well, I, you know, I don't know if I have faith enough. You know, don't worry about having faith enough. Just worry about not having unbelief. Begin to make it your goal to say, Lord, on a daily basis, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you. I've been rereading or reading, actually, for the first time. I realized I hadn't read it uh, before. I'd only seen the movie made about it, The Cross and the Switchblade. The ministry of Brother David Wilkerson, how God led him to New York City. And just reading in the book yesterday something that he mentioned that his grandfather encouraged him in the area of prayer. And his grandfather once said to him, and I'm not going to quote it exactly as I read it, but his grandfather once said to him, David, he said, when you can begin to publicly pray specifically for things, then you will know the power of God. And what that does is when you begin to get specific in your prayer, you are saying, God, I'm not just going to generalize it because of my unbelief, but I am going to believe God. And then he recounted how the Lord led him as a 12-year-old boy when his father was on his deathbed. Literally, blood all over the room. He was dying. This man was on his deathbed. At 12 years old, he remembered what his grandfather told to him. And he walked into that room, laid his hand on his father's head, and he prayed a very simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I pray that you'd make daddy well right now. And he left the room and came out of the room. And all of a sudden, the doctor came in and just kind of patted him on the head and, you know, as if to give him a smile about, well, I'm glad that, that you did that, but that's going to do no good. And all of a sudden, his father was laying there and his wife asked him, how do you feel? How do you feel, Ken? And he said, I feel like strength is coming into me. The doctor said, right then and there, the doctor said, I have witnessed a miracle before my very eyes. 
You see, brothers and sisters, we have to have faith to believe, not just in a general sense, but in a very specific sense. I want to talk to you today about what unbelief does. Look at Numbers chapter 13 and verses 31 through 33. And here's what unbelief does. One of the very first things it does is it measures difficulties by human strengths. Let me read this passage. The Bible says this, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. What a bunch of baloney. These guys are just throwing it out. They're so scared out of their minds. The unbelief just rules their hearts. All the people saw there, uh, saw there are, are of great size, that they are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak among the Nephilim. That is, they were giants, these Individuals, the people grew larger, they were taller, they were bigger. And the Bible says we seemed like grasshoppers in our own, look at that, in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. We looked like grasshoppers, not through God's eyes, through our own eyes. You see, unbelief always measures difficulties by human strength. What can I do? How am I able to change things? How am I able to minister to this need? How can I fix this situation? How can I meet this need? And i got to tell you, every time we stand and we begin to say, how can I do something? We will always seem like grasshoppers by comparison to our problem and our difficulty in our own eyes because we don't measure up. You say, well, Pastor, I've read a lot of good self-help books, and those self-help books, they kind of, you know, they make me see that I can do anything. Well, that's the other extreme that you can go to. And you better be careful when all of a sudden you wake up one day and realize you couldn't do anything. You see, the Bible lets me know that if I'm going to follow Jesus Christ with all my heart, my soul, and my mind, the Bible says, and Jesus said it to his disciples, without me, you can do nothing. Of any spiritual value, yes. Can you go out and get a good job and work a good job and, 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 and earn lots of money and have a good career and do all of these things in life? Yes, you can. But of any spiritual worth and value, you can do nothing without him. And brothers and sisters, unbelief measures what you can do and measures the difficulties by your own Strength. That's exactly what happened. Our limitations stand as our measurement of what we can or cannot accomplish. And brothers and sisters, that's a terrible place to be in. Don't ever measure your difficulties by what you can and cannot do. You always measure it by what God has said in his word, what the power of God is able to do. Listen, the power of God is able to go beyond what you and I can see at the moment if we will reach out in faith and we'll begin to say, God, I'm going to trust in your word. I'm going to believe in your power and your glory and your grace. Here's something else that unbelief does. It deadens the effects of the Word of God. 
I don't know how many times sitting in the, you know, in the pew as a teenager, as a young person, I'd hear the word of God preached and I was off doing my own thing and playing games with God and just, you know, being, being one of the worst preacher's kids around. And, and I don't know how many times I'd hear the word preached and my unbelief would push it away. And the more I push it away, the more dead I would become in my spirit, in my heart. You see, one of the great dangers of hearing the word of God and not believing that it's actually for you, that it's not actually somehow meant for your life, one of the great dangers is it can create a deadening effect of your spirit. That somehow there is something on the inside of you that is be, it's getting deader. You can't, you can't begin to to see what it is that God is doing in, in, in your life just by simply presenting a message that's for you. I don't know how many times in the past we've had people say, you know, seemed like you were preaching directly to us. I have no clue what's going on in their life. I have no idea what's happening. But God knows. But you see, when we resist it, when we say, not for me, not, not me. You, you're not, that's not going to get into my spirit because then something's going to have to change. Then we deaden the effect. You see, in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, it tells us about the fact that there were those who heard the word of God and yet the Bible says the word did not profit them. It had no effect in their hearts simply because they did not accept it by faith. You and I can sit here today and we can hear a message. We can hear the Word of God. We can see the Word of God right there on the page and yet we can push it away. And in the end, our pushing it away deadens the power. Look, we need to open our spirits and open our hearts and say, God, you got to speak to me. you got to change me. I need a word from heaven today. I need God to come down into my heart and change my situation. Don't allow it to deaden the effect. Of, your, of the word of God. The Bible says this in verse 32. Let me just read that again. And they spread among the Israelites. Get this, a bad report about the land they'd explored. They said the land we've explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. That wasn't the word of God. That was the word of the enemy. That wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's word for the people. That wasn't what God wanted them to have. And yet, here's Joshua and Caleb. They're presenting the word. They're presenting what God is able to do, the power of God. They're trusting in God. They're exalting God over the problems. And everybody says, be quiet, Joshua. No, Caleb, we can't do it. It's not going to happen. Chapter 14, they all rebel. You see, unbelief leads you down a path that is dreadful and a path of rebellion. There is a third thing that unbelief does. It is this. It despises the provisions of God. Despises the provisions of God. Look at verse 36 of chapter 14. Go over to chapter 14 and verse 36. The Bible says this. So the men... Moses had sent to explore the land, who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. They completely, totally ignored the provision of God. Now listen to what 
what it also says back over in chapter 13. I just read the verse. I'm going to read it again. Verse 32 of chapter 13. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. God had provided leadership as well as promise or the promise that he would take care of them. No matter where they went, no matter what they did, brothers and sisters, they had God behind them. Why in the world were they spreading a bad report? Why in the world were they ignoring the provision of Almighty God? Listen, brothers and sisters, we cannot ignore the provision of our God who is able to do anything that we ask of Him in faith. There is something else that happens in unbelief. Boy, i got to get out of this unbelief thing. I don't like it. Chapter 14 and verse 11, here's what it does. It dishonors God himself. Unbelief dishonors God. The Bible says this, The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? See that? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed among them, you see that? This is God talking to Moses, saying, Moses, how long are these people going to reject me? How long are they going to go against me? How long are they going to treat me with contempt? Why is it that they are acting this way when I brought them out of Egypt? You know, it's not just every day that you see a Red Sea open. You know, it's not just every day that, he rain, that God rains down manna and food out of heaven when you ain't got none. It's not every day that God begins to provide in a mighty way miraculously for his people. And yet, in spite of it all, the Bible says here, and God says, why do they show me contempt or treat me with contempt? Imagine that. You see, brothers and sisters, unbelief is a clear rejection of God himself. Saying, God, I'm not interested in what you, you have to, to offer me. I don't want that. Now, a lot of people don't say that outright, but, you know, the day and age that we're living in is getting a little more crazy, and people are a little more bold when it comes to talking against God. So you actually will hear something like that. I don't want God. I don't want anything having to do with God. I don't want that. It is clear rejection, and yet God has done so many things for his people. He has done so many things. You see, I'm not worried about how the world does this and handles this. I'm worried about how we in the church handle this. You see, because in the end, if we don't have faith, if we allow unbelief to rule in our hearts, how in the world can the world ever look at us and say, well, I want what they got? If we're allowing unbelief to rule in our lives, they already got what we got. They already have it. What's the difference? Brothers and sisters, it's high time that you and I begin to trust God and believe God for the impossible so that we don't come out on the rejecting end of God. Unbelief does something else. It is a source of sin and sorrow. Let me just read Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Numbers 14, 1 through 4. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole assembly said to them, if only, think about this, think about what they say here. If only we had died in Egypt 
or in this desert? Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? See, they got doublespeak. They didn't really want to die in the desert because now they're complaining because they think they're going to die in the desert. It's crazy. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader. Go back to Egypt. Imagine that. You see, while faith can bring times of difficulty, it never brings about the sorrow of unbelief. This is the sorrow and the pain of unbelief. It is the sorrow and the pain of rejecting God and saying, God, not interested in what, you do, what it is that you have to offer me. I'm not interested in that, God. And this, brothers and sisters, is that great pain. I'm not going to spend a long time there. There's one final thing that I want you to see about unbelief. And then we're going to get to faith. And it is this. Unbelief presumes to succeed without God. All of a sudden, when you begin to reject God, you, you get this, 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 it's almost some kind of an evil sense of energy. Like, I'm going to do it by myself. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do it my way. Listen to what the Bible says in verses 40 down through 45. Early the next morning, they went up toward the hill country. We have sinned, they said. We will go up to the place of the, the place the Lord promised. All of a sudden, they're repenting, but they're repenting in the wrong way. This is not true repentance that they have. And they say, we're going to go up in the place that the Lord promised. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies for the Amalekites and Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you and will, you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, here is unbelief. And it's just, we're gonna, just going to do it our way. We're going to go at it. We're going to go at this thing in our own strength, in our own power, not with God's help. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the the high hill country. Though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moved from the camp, then the Amalekites and Canaanites who lived in the hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. Unbelief gets you beaten down. Unbelief will get you defeated every single time. I cannot encourage you enough, brothers and sisters, that you and I have to land on the side of faith. You and I have to believe and we have to trust in the Lord. So now let's take a look at faith, shall we? Let's get our faith encouraged right now. Let's leave behind unbelief. Let's get it behind us. We're not going to be of those who fall back because of unbelief, but we're going to move forward in God Here's what faith does. Faith confirms the promises of God. You see, I love the, faith, the fact that faith doesn't have to make anything up. It just looks at God's Word. I always get a little worried when somebody begins to talk about what God is going to do through them and how it is that they're going to trust God to do it, and you can't find any part of what it is that they're going to do in the Word of God. You can't find any part of it to line it up with the Word of God. I get a little worried from time to time. But faith always confirms 
the promises of God. Look at verse 27 in Numbers 13. God had said that it was going to be a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. The report came back that in that land there was milk and honey. All of a sudden, they go into the land. God said, you're going to go into a land flowing with milk and honey. They go in, and basically that is to say that it was a land that could sustain them with food, with everything that they needed. It was a good land to be able to sustain life. They go into the land, and they see that it is a land flowing with milk and honey. They all come back, and they all report, all of them. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. In fact, in one place, it even says that they brought back a whole bunch of grapes. These weren't just grapes, you know, like the little tiny, teeny red ones, you, you know, white ones you buy in the store or whatever, the green grapes, and you get those and pop those in there. These were, these were grapes. These grapes, probably, I don't know how big they were, but, you know, they were, they were huge. They were so heavy as they brought them back into the camp of the Israelites. They saw the blessing that was there. They saw that it was able to sustain life. You see, faith always confirms what it is that God has already spoken. We line up with what God has said already. He's the one who makes it up, not you and me. And I don't mean that he makes up a story. He speaks the truth. He is truth. So therefore, what he said was right. It was true. It always confirms the promises of God. Faith always exhibits the proof of God's faithfulness. Well, I just mentioned the fact that they showed some of the fruit of the land. That's what the Bible says in verse 26. It says, and showed them the fruit of the land. It shows them and it says, listen, God's way is the best way because check this out. God has proven himself over and over and over again. Faith, brothers and sisters, will put God up and say, here's what God is able to do because look at his track record. Look at how he's able to change a life. Look at what he's done for me. Look, I love that song we sing, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look at who? Look at me. I got a story to tell. You got a story to tell. Look what the Lord has done for you. You're the proof positive of the power and the grace and the mercy and the love of Christ that was poured out on Calvary. You today, brothers and sisters, are the proof that there is a better land than the world and what the world is enjoying. You are the proof positive that there is something greater than what the world has to give. People were shown the blessings that were in store for them if they would just follow in faith. If they would just follow in faith, here's what you can have. Here's the wonderful life, the new life in Christ that you can have. You see, faith also does this. It laments the foolishness of unbelief. Chapter 14 and verse 6 says that Joshua and Caleb did something when there was that bad, unbelieving report that was given. Such a negative thing that took place. The Bible says that they tore their clothes, which was a sign of sorrow. Tore their clothes. They heard the bad report, and in their hearts, they said, no, 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 this isn't true. 
this isn't the way it is, folks. This isn't the way it ought to be. And so they, they showed their displeasure and their, their, their displeasure with the report that came back. They, they tore their clothes. I'm reminded of when Jesus came into Jerusalem and on, we celebrated on Palm Sunday every, every year at that time where Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And Luke records for us some things that Matthew and Mark and John don't really record for us. But Luke records something that Jesus did on that particular day. And the Bible says that at that moment he looked out and he wept over Jerusalem. He wept. Why? Because of their unbelief. He said, if you had only known on this day what makes for your peace. If you had only received it, you see, we're hearing the message, but are we really receiving the message? You see, the message received will change your life. It'll transform you into a man of God, into a woman of God. It'll transform you into what God wants you to be. God has better things in store for you today through faith. Here's what faith also does. Faith rests exclusively in the Lord. It rests exclusively in the Lord. Verses 8 and 9 of chapter 14, listen to what the Bible says. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land. A land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection, I love that. This is the message of faith. You need to get this. Verses 8 and 9. You can go back to it later on. Verses 8 and 9. We will swallow them up. You see, the message was, the bad report was, they're going to swallow us up. Joshua and Caleb turned it around and said, "Uh uh-uh, I don't think so. We've got a God who's bigger than they are. We've got a God who's more powerful. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to swallow them up. And then he goes on. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of them. Here's what the Lord does for us in our situations that might be difficult or in difficult problems that we are faced with. First of all, He does this. He takes pleasure in us. The Bible says He is pleased with us. Then He gives a promise. He will bring us into the land. There is His presence. The Lord is with us. And there is His power. He is able. You might not be able, but He's able. You might not be able to stand against the enemy, but He is able to do it. Faith, brothers and sisters, rests exclusively in the Lord Himself. Not only that, faith follows God Always and everywhere. Follows God always and everywhere. Verse 24 says this, but because of chapter 14, verse 24, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. 
Because Caleb follows me wholeheartedly. He's got a different spirit. He follows me wholeheartedly. I'm going to bring him into the land. Joshua and Caleb were one of the only ones from the previous generation of Israelites that died in the wilderness to ever enter the land. Not even Moses got into the new land. Only Joshua and Caleb. And you know why? Because they trusted in the Lord. They believed the message that God gave. They stood in faith, and their faith, brothers and sisters, was rewarded in the end. Faith is always rewarded. Unbelief, you can push it aside, but unbelief has its own reward. I don't want the reward of unbelief. I want the reward of faith. I want what it is that God has for us. And brothers and sisters, he's got so many good things for us. It follows God always and everywhere. When the rest of the crowd says, no, that can't be right. No way. You Christians, you're a bunch of crazy people. You've got your own agendas. You've got your own thing going on. My agenda has nothing to do with this world. It has to do with the next. It has to do with the fact that he came into the world to seek and to save that which is lost. Listen, can I caution you? Don't get caught up in all kinds of political nonsense and political agendas. Brothers and sisters, you get caught up in the agenda that Jesus had when he came into the world. You get caught up in him. It follows God always and everywhere. Everywhere. Not only that, faith does one final thing. I want you to hear this. It inherits the promises. No part of unbelief, no part of that crowd that was unbelieving inherited any part of the promise. Not one. The Bible says about that generation that they all died in the wilderness. Those who believed the bad report, they died in the wilderness. They stayed there. It was the crowd who said, we're going to believe God. Well, all of a sudden, it doesn't turn out to be so great of a crowd, does it? Joshua and Caleb. See what God did? Here's what God had to do. God had to allow the unbelief to be washed away, to be put away. And here's something else he did. He had to raise up a new generation. He had to raise up a generation that said, you know what? We're not following the nonsense of our parents. Our parents, look look where their unbelief got them. I'm going to follow God with all of my heart, my soul, and my mind. And we're going to see God do things that we have never experienced before. And brothers and sisters, I believe with all my heart that what we have to do today is put aside any unbelief in our own hearts. Put it aside and say, Lord, I'm not going to go with that crowd anymore. I'm going to run with you in faith. I'm going to believe you, and I'm going to be part of that new generation. I'm going to be part of that next generation. That generation that arises says, we don't care. We're going to trust God. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how big they are. It doesn't matter how impossible the situation looks. We will believe the Lord. We will trust in Him. Because in the end, it is always faith that gets rewarded. 
Hebrews 11.6 6 says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently believe him. But the first part of that verse says that it's impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't please him apart from faith. You can't do it apart from faith. If you're taking matters into your own hands, brothers and sisters, it doesn't work. You're going to end up with heartache and heartbreak every step of the way. It is only those who will stand in faith and say, God, I'm going to trust in you even though this situation looks as though it's dead, even though it looks like this problem is insurmountable. God is still the God of impossibilities. He can do anything. You need to know that God is able to do abundantly above all that we could ever ask or we could ever think. I want to stand in faith. Do you today? Would you stand right now to your feet? Today, if you feel in your heart God needs you to stand in faith and you need God to just help you to believe for the impossible, I want you to put your hands in the air right now and say, God, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you for the impossible today.